Welcome back to Breaking the Dice. This week, we wrap up our thoughts on Spoils of War and King Domino, give the much-awaited feedback on First Martians, we dive headfirst into our preview of Gen Con releases, and finish up with our opinions of a good game store. Hey gamers, this is Michelle with Breaking the Dice, and I'm here with Jay. What's up? And Paul. Hi. And we are super excited for Gen Con 50, and so we're going to talk a lot about that this episode. But before we get started, let's talk about some games we played. So, one of my newest love-hate relationship is with Spoils of War. Game sucks. I hate it. <laughs> This game, it's terrible, this terrible game, game. This game is super fun. It's Liar's Dice, which I know that's probably like some of you are just skipping past this already because I said Liar's Dice. But it's Liar's Dice, but they've added some mechanisms to it, like some special powers involved, you're trying to get some loot, and it's a fun, once again, I iterate that this is a very light game, but it is a fun party game. goes up to six, five people. It has really cool components. It's a Viking theme because that's the theme this year. You're Vikings and you've raided and you've pillaged and you've done all those things and now you have all these spoils of war and you're trying to to separate them out even as evenly as you feel like you can. Somebody put it as in like as if Yahtzee and Cash and Guns had a baby. This is what it is. So Vikings of <laughs> Vikings of War. Vikings, Vikings of, of War. Spoils, spoils of War. Spoils like brings in the betting mechanic and the set collection mechanic to Liar's Dice. So it's just taking that that liar's mm-hmm. dice and adding betting and set collection on top of it, which is nice. No, I think combined it makes a, a good game as opposed to just liar's dice that I played in the cafeteria at school. Yeah, they, it still has the mechanic similar to cash and guns, where it's kind of a win or lose, and if you lose, you're out that round and it's no good. And so if you lose a lot, then <laughs> you're not doing it. So so really, the the winner is the one that's that's in the round most often. It, you know, it comes down to set collection after that, but generally it's whoever's guessing right the most is the one that's got the best advantage as far as winning. So that's that's when you see see some players might uh, might be wrong more than others, and, and they're out all the time, and they, they just end up with nothing. But it's the same thing with cash and guns, you know. It's, you make some poor choices in cash and guns, and you're, you're never getting access to any of the loot. Yeah, so cash and guns, I feel, though, is, is a little more lenient on the players than Spoils of War. As the player who only was involved in two rounds out of nine, because I've made bad guesses each time, or every time I make a bet, half the people at the table didn't have any of that number. Well, in odds were in my favor and never worked out. So, so some of that, some of that was my fault too. That, that's the thing that Spoils of War brings in that isn't necessarily part of other Liar's Dice games is that those special abilities really change things up. Oh, yeah. So so what I was doing is I would roll my dice and I would get one of everything, you know, which isn't particularly helpful. And so I would just take some of the numbers that I didn't want and re-roll them because I had a couple of re-rolls that I could use. So that really changes the dynamic because then when other people are re-rolling, your chances of getting certain numbers decrease, but you're not sure which numbers have a lower lower probability of being there. So then it becomes more about the social deduction element of it, but not everybody's necessarily going to be involved in the bidding. So so there's a lot of things, kind of a lot of things at play. It's 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 more depth than your traditional liar's dice or, mm-hmm. or any of the other kind of clones of it that have come out. I think this is a really good game to take to your game night, your family gathering. It's, it's light enough anybody can play it. And most people know what liar's dice is or at least understand the, the concept of it. I think for me, my one critique for this game is it overstays its welcome. I feel like the game's a little too long. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's nine rounds. It's nine rounds. As opposed to a, a Cash and, and Guns game where you only have like seven rounds. Yeah, and the rounds are faster in Cash and Guns than they are in this game. And so I feel like if this, if you're using this as a filler game or if you're, you know, your board game group that are, play a little bit heavier games, this game overstays its welcome. If this is your game that you're going to take for to the family for the holidays to have fun with, it's fine. But that would be my only critique. It's just understand it. it is a longer game. Mm-hmm. I could I could see you just dropping one round out of or one yeah one round out of each mm-hmm. set. So you just do two out of each and do a six round. And I think it would, sure. wouldn't really change the dynamic at all, and would just shorten the game up. And to where you're not. I mean, even we even played a short. Just three rounds, one yeah. one from each set, and I mean it really wasn't that bad. Just, you couldn't get the full sets as easily, mm-hmm. but I mean it doesn't really change that scoring too terribly much. Well, and I I felt like I was doing doing fairly poorly in the beginning, yeah. and I still managed to finish with most of the sets that I was going after. Mm-hmm. Like I, I could have gotten more, but yeah, it, it felt like you had plenty of time to do what you needed to do. So so I mean, really it's if you're if you're getting knocked out of every round, then that's not the case. But if you're if you're in, you know, the majority of the rounds, which is your goal, then you're probably probably getting most of what you need. So in that case the the game is maybe a little long. My, my goal was to get knocked out every round. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> You'd be great. It was working well for me. You're a great winner. I finished with four cards yeah. and no money. So I thought I was winning. I thought it was low score. <laughs> and everybody beat. The next closest was like 60 points away. I thought I had it. Yeah, no, it's, it's a pretty big gap. It's hard to, yeah. hard to argue that one. So the other game we played... I'm going to rant a little. Very anticipated. In fact, it's on our Gen Con list of most anticipated games at Gen Con is First Martians. This mm. game, I had so much. I am a Robinson Crusoe fan. If you're not familiar, Robinson Crusoe is a co-op game. You're on a deserted island. There's like a whole bunch of one-off quests you can do. Super fun co-op. Both really designed by Ignacy Chevichek. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I have so much love for Robinson Crusoe, but it has some very obvious flaws. And so when they, when you know, we got the word of First Martians, which is going to be Robinson Crusoe, uh, the same type of game and using the same formats, but in space, and you're you're basically on this Mars mission, and you have certain quests to do. I was really excited because there are some very big, big problems with Robinson Crusoe. So I was like, great, this is going to be awesome. It's going to be more streamlined, going to take care of some of these issues and add a fun updated theme because once again, Mars has been a pretty popular theme this year. Oh man, I had I wanted to love this game. And I think I will, but there was no fixing of the original issues. The same issues in Robinson Crusoe of the game being clunky, the rule book not being very clear, um, some issues with not having enough components to do things because it's basically you've got these colored cubes similar like Pandemic, but depending on what mission you're playing and what, you know, quest you're doing, you're using more cubes than others, and there's never enough cubes of one color to do things. I know that sounds very convoluted because it is. So there's not enough components, and there's just none of those problems were fixed in First Martians. First Martians is a good game. I think there will be lots of people that enjoy this game, and I am probably in the minority here. But this game really made me mad because there was no streamlining. There was no 
fixing of things. They added a legacy campaign style thing, which we, in all honesty, we've not touched on that yet. We've done one of the one-off missions, but oh, this game made me so mad because I just wanted to see it streamlined and see like the app. It has the app that integrated with it. So I was like, oh, that's going to be amazing. It's going to take care of so much of that fiddliness of Robinson Crusoe, and it really doesn't. It gives you another thing to fiddle with. Yeah, so I mean, if if you know if if you're familiar with Robinson Crusoe, the app essentially takes care of the events for you, which is you know one one thing that you had to do in Robinson Crusoe. You had this deck of cards, you had events, you had decisions to make, and based on the decision you make, something will happen later potentially, or maybe not. First Martians put all of that in an app to kind of manage that. But the app doesn't do a lot more than that. It has some elements of it's able to track your your goals and things like that, which which is nice because it's it's a little clunky to have to track them all on the on the mission sheet, and then if if somebody forgets to do that, then you're not really sure where you're at. But it really didn't do very much with the app. You know, it didn't really offer much except for now you're you're tied to this device that's that's kind of running through. And I would have liked to see it do a lot more. I think they they had a lot more potential. Especially seeing what what games like Mansions of Madness have have accomplished using. Well, even look at just app. like the app for Dead of Winter that it has just the crossroad cards, like that's all it mm-hmm. does. Even if it did something along that lines that made it so, like in Dead of Winter, you grab a crossroads card and whoever's reading it can see what the outcome is going to be. Mm-hmm. But if you use the app, you don't have that. You truly have to pick on what you would do in that scenario and what you think is best. Yeah. If it went with something like that, I would even be okay with it. But it didn't even really do that. It just like, oh, this thing happened and you get this. And well, a lot it of it was... thematically didn't even make sense. So like there was one point where it's like there's an outbreak in the colony and so you gain three morale and it's like, wait, why? Yeah, the, why the, would that the, make presen- sense? the presentation didn't make a whole lot of uh, didn't make a whole lot of sense. In, in in Robinson Crusoe, it all kind of makes sense because you have this specific event and then and then you have you know that something that might happen right away and then you'll have an action that you can take and then there's a future consequence if you never take that action uh, with first martians they don't really tie those things together very well so yeah you it would be something like um you'd have uh, you know an influenza outbreak which is not a good thing in that scenario but then the next thing that happens is you gain some morale or you gain some other yeah. some of the resource and it's like wait so what what happened with people getting sick what, what happened there and it, nothing really happened right away but there's an action that it provides but you didn't see the action when the event came up so it got to be somewhat confusing and then uh, there was a there was time during setup where where i had accidentally skipped a piece of it because some of the setup is done through the app and so then for the rest of the time i'm looking at these things that don't make sense in the app and i'm I'm thinking i must have missed something but it, it really really is just how it's presented it's just doesn't seem doesn't seem terribly easy to follow um so so that the app integration is is not not great here and there's not an option to not use the app which if i feel like you need to be on one side of that line either the app is optional and only does a little bit um the sheriff of nottingham app Uh it's a fine app it does very little uh it's great for for tracking score if nothing else that's the only thing you use it for it's great for that uh but it's just a little thing you don't need it it's entirely unnecessary or you go with mansions of madness which has a huge app that is Mm -hmm. lots and it basically carries the game it runs the game for you so you have to have the app. Yeah, right? you have yeah. to have the app. So, so but this is a game go. that you have to have the app, and, and, it does and all, very all, all it really does is it's replacing a deck of cards for you. Well, yeah, and see, my problem with that is that with Dead of Winter, at least you have the physical card. 
Yeah. So I don't feel like I need to have a device there if I don't want to. Yeah, you, you can and take the game out. And that's my problem with this, is I feel... The problem is, is I have to have a device, no matter what. And because it's a board game, I want it to be an iPad or something bigger than just a phone. Yep. Because just having a phone sitting there on the table, it's hard to see. I've ran Mansions of Madness off a phone. It's not easy. No. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. It's, it's not ideal. I mean, yeah. even on an iPad, when you're gathered around a table, it's not ideal. Because it's not big enough people can see. Yeah. And so when you do that, Mansions of Madness really needs it. A game mm-hmm. like that, you really need that. Because and I would say benefits from it, too. It does, mm-hmm. because of the variability of the game. And those style, those campaign-style games benefit from having the app because of that variability. Mm-hmm. But a regular co-op game that's not truly that campaign-style, I don't see the need for it. Well, yeah, mm-hmm. like I said, I think Dead did, Winner did it right by allowing you to do it. You, if you want to use the app, fine. If you don't, mm-hmm. and, it's and, not necessary. And I think Dead of Winter, comparing the crossroad cards to the event cards, yeah. I know it's a great comparison because they do serve fairly similar functions. They work differently, but the crossroad cards from Dead of Winter, I feel like have a better, you know, have better better flavor, better story. Yes. Um, you really get the sense of what you're doing. You know, you, a stranger comes to your colony and offers, you know, offers to help with something. Well, you know that there's, there's what they're offering and then maybe they can do it, maybe they can't, but then there's also, now you're taking care of this extra person. So, so you can so kind you of weigh, weigh the them. consequences there. Whereas in First Martians, it would come up, it would say, you know, the big example of, uh, you know, like somebody got, somebody got the flu. Well, okay, then we just move on and we do other things. And then now there's an event action, which is supposed to be tied to the event, but it doesn't, it doesn't really flow very well. You don't, you don't get that kind of sense of urgency that, oh, wait, someone's sick. This is something we might have to divert our resources to take care of. I also didn't like, I get why they did it. Um, but, um, one of the things, and so everybody's got their own personal roles and things they can do. If you don't have enough players for somebody to play the medic, you basically get this little machine that does the job of the mecha- mm-hmm. of the medic, and I don't like that because I feel like why would you ever take the medic at that point? Right, and like yeah, and, and that that's that was a confusing part as well. We played with three players, so there's specific specific rules on setup for any player count. So with three players, everyone picks a role, and then you you get you get, essentially get a robot doctor. Because you can't use the you can't use the medical bay without without the medic, so this robot doctor removes that requirement. So it's a little bit it's a little bit odd in how that's presented. The medic still has an additional ability that that's kind of independent of that, but it makes it seem like that that particular character is not worth a whole lot. And I I w- I'm not real thrilled with the different roles in Robinson Crusoe. I don't think they bring a whole lot to the table. I'd like to see them have just a little bit more differentiation. Yeah, I feel like, especially, I feel like it with Roman Crusoe, I feel like it's even more so in First Martian, where, like, I was supposed to be good at, like, scavenging things, and I was supposed mm-hmm. to be able to find parts so that way I can fix rovers and things like that. I was mainly exploring. Right. Like, and well, I and we were doing as I, I shouldn't even be doing that role. I should be scavenging those things, and it was like the... It, it really didn't matter, is what it yeah. felt like. It didn't matter what you went out and did because it just wasn't that big of an impact. Your special powers weren't that big of well, an impact. Well, we were, when we were doing the the intro mission. Yeah. So. so maybe it, later you know, on. it was it was designed to be the easiest one. 
you know, and it, it's just, just to kind of teach them the mechanisms. But it was like it's the one they suggest to play first, but it was really heavy on um, on like building things. Like your build action, you spend a lot of time with that. Then the exploration, like What's so we, we actually we actually kind of did that wrong because it was a little bit confusing at first. But we we basically only needed to explore two places and we only needed to gather twice. And then the rest of the game is all is all building or or other actions. So so they really cut out kind of half of the game. So uh, like your, your typical Robinson Crusoe, there's always something that somebody can be doing. Any one of those yes. actions is potentially useful. Even if even if your goal is I'm going to build this boat, try to get off this island, well you still probably need to gather at some point. You'll Ooh. need to explore to just see if you can even get a better campsite, things like that. Of course, first Martians, you you're kind of locked down. You have your you have your lab, your, your little Mars base, and it's not going to get up and start walking around. It's it's stuck there. So there's no there's no we're going to move our base somewhere mm-hmm. else. So it's it's all about trying to find resources and things like that, uh, which adds another another degree of challenge because of course Robinson Crusoe, part of the idea of moving the base would be to get closer to resources that you want to want to have access to and that's not an option in first martians you know i think it is it is it is robinson crusoe in space so for anyone that you know that, that's looking for that style of game and likes the space theme i think it's still it's still worth some attention um and but the the intro mission i don't think was a good a good mission yeah, it didn't showcase no nah, you have to well. slog through that intro mission and yeah it was not so one of the things coming up in what we, we like kingdom no we did play King Domino. That was a fun little light four-player game, eight and up, so I always appreciate something you play with the kids. Um, this game, if you hate dominoes, you will not like this game, so understand that. If you hate, I don't if you think hate kings, you probably won't like it. I don't think it's anything like Domino. Are you serious? It it's is exactly nothing like dominoes. dominoes. It's exactly like dominoes. It's Carcassonne meets Domino's. You've got a little kingdom, you're trying to build it up, and instead of having, like, numbers... And you're trying to match up dominoes like you do in a domino game. It's got lands, different lands that you're trying to match up. So you've got like a, a plains and a forest and all of this that you're trying to match up to make a little fire. To me, it's a more simple Alhambra. Okay, but, but more I people mean, know what dominoes is. My issue is it's not dominoes because you're not playing with other people. You have your own place. Uh, so it's okay, like you're well, playing dominoes fair. with yourself. Okay, well, that's fair. Just trying to make a square. And to me, dominoes is more interactive between other players. It is. It is pretty one. I mean, there's a little bit of player interaction, but not much. It's, it's pretty basic. It's a, it's a light, fun game. Great filler. Great great intro i think it's a it's gonna be a great gateway game i think it's gonna be a really mm-hmm. good gateway game and then it's, a, it's a great family game in general and then they're it's coming out with queen domino light. i don't know anything about queen domino but they're coming out with queen domino but yeah fun little game definitely definitely yeah. um if you have kids um i would look at it if you're gateway games if you're somebody who does i, I think it would be a good staple in your collection it, it's and probably it's one small. i would pick up just to take to game days especially if we start doing game night and it would be something that real simple to teach to families mm-hmm. and it's small it's not going to eat mm-hmm. up a bunch of space. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of buzz around it right now, too. So Yeah. yeah. It is like very it. simple, very fun. I don't see the domino aspect of it other than <laughs> the tile is... It's <laughs> it's rectangle and it's split in two. Like, would, that's the domino part. Would, would it. it help if it was named something else? Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what about Queen Domino? How about that? Yeah, <laughs> I got that domino name in there. I don't get it, but... So we are about, what, a week and a half, if that, from Gen Con? Yeah, yeah. about that. About that. Woo! By the time you hear this, it will be a month after Gen Con. But... <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe the day, not me, the day before, who knows. Yeah, so yeah, so we, we are we are kind of in the last stretch of, of 
the, the preparing last... and, and, and excitement building and and uh, sold out Gen Con. Getting into the Woo. gym and hip checking some bags so that we can be <laughs> ready for for the crowds. So this is big Gen Con fifty. Lots of buzz because it's fiftieth year of Gen Con, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna go over some of the most anticipated games of Gen Con. Some of these we know a lot about. Some of these we know little. Some of these we're gonna act like we know a lot, and we really don't. So take all of this is just our our opinions and kind of what we think of of it and we'll go from there the number one anticipated and this is all by the way according to bgg board game geek uh that's the list we're pulling this off of so the number one most anticipated game is pandemic legacy season two we have expressed our love for pandemic Mm -hmm. on this podcast i think this is obviously one of our personal tops that we want to all get on in fact we've yeah i mean this is is already worked on getting the group together Mm -hmm. so we can start we're, I think two. we have the group ready. Yeah, yeah. we just we're need the game. only holdout. Yeah, we're, we're definitely uh, we're, def- we're we're definitely getting this game, and there might be oh my god, there might there might be some fighting to, to make that what happen. What if we don't get a copy of Gen Con? You know, it's not the end of the world. Like I said, I don't. No, it is literally the end of the world. <laughs> there, there's three of us. There should be no reason why we can't. Well, like yeah. two of the days at the exhibit hall, I've got places to go first thing <laughs> that aren't. To get Pandemic Legacy season what? two, but there's two of you to go get that. So. What? I mean, I will. I've got. I've got. I will mean mug some children if I have to. I got a fantasy flight booth happen. to try to get in line for. So I oh, have well, to you'll wait be there ten for hours. Three Never days. heard of them. And no. I also have to get to the Paizo booth in line, so I don't have to wait there for two You're days. Be there for three. Because I, I go? what? Paizo's going to be, you know, backed up pretty far for Star Wars. So, Pandemic Legacy Uh, takes 71 years past the first season. And basically it's, you guys tried real hard in season one, but pretty much failed. Spoiler. (laughs) Yeah, if you didn't know... No, we succeeded, it was okay. (laughs) If you didn't know that you failed season one, sorry. If you did real good in Pandemic pandemic Season 1, Pandemic Legacy Season 1, then you, you cheated. And you gotta go play it again. So this is 71, 71 years in the future. <laughs> Not bad. It's from, and that's pretty much all we know of it. It's going to be kind of the world is now ravaged, uh-huh. ravaged with this disease, and the. So there's been one of the clear people in this one. What, are, what were they called? They're not walkers. They're ooh. Were they walkers in the last one, or is that no? No, that was just what we called that's them. What we called them because the, the, they looked the like faded. the faded. Yeah, because yeah, they were like clear. And so, basically, like, yeah, um, I think we're going to see like those. They look like little zombies, though. They so have, uh, I think we're going to see those back. They, they have, there, there have been, have been leaks of, of the board, which I think is, I think is very interesting, Ooh. kind of exciting. Uh, the, the, the general premise where it's starting out, as far as, as far as we know, is that, you know, you're, you're playing as members of, you know, a medical team of some kind. And, In the Haven. And you're, right yeah, you're, you're on you're on large boats essentially you know, yeah. it's kind of a kind of a floating city sort of sort of scenario is, is my understanding of, of how it's being presented yeah that's what's in the description here it talks about uh, there's uh, the last three generations have been living in these havens on the sea mm-hmm. to provide protect you know protection from the plague yeah. yeah keep keep the keep diseases from spreading as easily that way uh, so so what you're getting as far as as far as your your board is it looks like it's basically the Atlantic Ocean Mm-hmm. Is, is your is your board starting out? You don't you don't see the whole world. You don't have so convenient lines between everything. So so it kind of starts out there. Uh, maybe even borrowing a little bit from Pandemic Iberia with the uh, which would be interesting with because the, the sailing routes, the the merchant ships. Which that's a good point because I was wondering what mechanisms we'll see in this one because the last Pandemic Legacy took from all the different Pandemic games and expansions mm-hmm. and kind of took different things from all that. So. 
we were really worried about the second one. Like, all right, well, there hasn't been a whole lot more out, so what are we going to come up with? Yeah. So, yeah, I think that really so makes sense. We already have the boats, so so I mean that's that's reminiscent of Pandemic Iberia. It's not that the boats were were that necessarily revolutionary in how they worked mechanically, uh, but what what is interesting from Pandemic Iberia, which is I think part borrowed from Pandemic Legacy Season One and part something we're going to see them borrow again in Season Two, is the railway system from Iberia. Mm-hmm. You know, you you can use trains to get around, but those tracks aren't there. So you may have to build the tracks. I think we'll probably see something along those lines where you have to build up an infrastructure to move around. I also That's think we could see the mutating diseases from Iberia. I think that would add mm-hmm. uh, things will react differently because now these diseases aren't fresh. They've been here. So there have been those mutations. Mm-hmm. So I think we're going to see some of that like yeah. by the water was a different yeah. strand of... We also have populations in isolation which yeah. is which is something that can lead to lead to differing mutations so that that could that could add a lot of a lot of uh, interesting mechanics there so so they, they've got a lot to play with I can see a lot a lot of things they might want to do I'm here. extremely excited for it uh, I'm so so much hype and it'll be it, it, I just I just imagine opening up opening up one of your dossier and finding you know North America or Europe or Africa and getting to getting to put that piece on the board that Oh. So that sounds that sounds kind of fun. Oh. So everybody's just taking two days off. We're gonna pound through all. all <laughs> no, no, we're not doing it. it. No, we're not shotgunning the game. Number two is, uh, and this one kind of shocked me, is Sangrada Sagrada, which is a game where you are building stained glass windows. This game is really pretty, and it's a dice game. And you're basically trying to draft dice into this little, everybody has their like little window. This game, from what I understand, it was a pretty light game, family style game. There's different tools to help you get different dice. So just, I think this is going to be a pretty entry level dice drafting game. It, it, is, a, it is a good looking game just oh, from beautiful. just from first glance. So I think it it's something that's probably going to get some really good attention. And, you know, maybe something we might even look for while we're there. Mm-hmm. See, if, see if we can grab a copy. Or play a copy. Number three is, oh my gosh, the new money generators is Codenames Duet. It's going to be Codenames, which if you have never played, it's a party style game where there are words or pictures or whatever because Codenames is now coming out for everything. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, yeah, the Disney, Disney uh, I think Marvel. Marvel, Marvel yeah. which I'm uh, not going to lie. they have a Marvel one? I'm kind of excited uh, to play Codenames Released or, or soon to be released. Yeah. Yeah. I saw Duet at Gamma. Yeah. And, I mean, it, it, look, it looks good because it's taking... The original code names, and then dumbing it down to where you can play with two players. Did, did and we ever back and forth? Did we ever figure out? You know, the big the big question there was, what's the difference between code names duet and the two player variant of code names? Did we ever figure out how they differentiate the two? No, I don't think we did. Or is this just a I just a blatant cash grab? Here? I think to me it looks like a cash grab, and I think they've expanded the rules a little bit. Um, from what I understand, it's almost like a chess mechanism. You're going back and forth, and you're trying to, based on what's being said, figure out the spies here and there okay. and where they are within. And then it's a matter of, do I okay. turn over my spy, or do I turn over a, um, if you think you know where a civilian is, turning over a civilian, because that could potentially hurt your other person more so than helping you, vice versa. So, Mick, I think okay. I think this is going to be, like, the next, like, thing of we're going to see Codenames everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, what, well, Codenames I, Firefly next year? <laughs> it's, being, it's been yeah. successful. If they can yeah. get an IP, they'll throw it. I mean, it's yeah. easy. You oh, can yeah, throw yeah, anything it's, in it's, it. It's, it's just a simple. bunch yeah. of words or pictures. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the thing with 
duet or yeah, codenames duet that they were talking about at Gamma was you could just grab the stuff out of you know your codename pictures mm-hmm. and just use that instead of the words that come in. Names. Number four, First Martians, which yeah, the, yeah, a lot of people are excited about it. It's got a huge hype. It's, it's got a, um, one of the top games this year. You're, you're aware of our feelings it's, on it. I mean, I, I feel like it's still a good game. If you haven't played Robinson Crusoe, mm-hmm. I think it's a quality game. It, it is. It is a, very much, very much a reskin of Robinson Crusoe in a lot of ways. And it, so. it's just what do you like more as a as a theme? Mm-hmm. Do you like shipwrecked on an island, or do you like the space Martian feel? Yeah. And then get, get, and keep in mind, there is also the, the campaign that mm-hmm. was thrown into First Martians on top of that, which we haven't had time to really go through, but that is an extra, that is a little bit of extra that Robinson Crusoe didn't really give you. So, so it's, it's something that makes it, gives it more replay value. If we didn't have so many campaign games, I would, right? we would sit down and probably play more of the First Martians campaign. But, I mean, there's so many campaign games that we need to get to. Yeah, well, everyone's and, everyone's doing that now, which is a yeah. great thing. I, I really appreciate that. For the, for the, the, pe- for the person that doesn't buy a hard. ton of games, it's really nice because mm-hmm. you can get more time out of one game. When you're buying a bunch of games, it makes it tough because it's hard to get that game to the table 12 times straight mm-hmm. as opposed to I might get it 12 times over the next five years. At number five, we have the Cities of Splendor expansion. This That's... is an expansion for Splendor, which is exciting, and I think this is a I think this is a good move first because one for Splendor? yeah, the first the first one for expansion Splendor. Uh-huh. for Splendor. It's been out a long time. This is yeah. going to add very very, very good game, actually, very popular. It's actually yeah. replacing the Nobles with uh, cities, and it's going to add like three decks to the to the game. It's going to add it's going to basically deepen the game a little bit. If you're a big mm-hmm. fan of Splendor and Splendor is an amazing gateway game. It's an amazing game to start with. Um so if you're a fan of this game, I definitely recommend picking this up because it's going to it does to me, it doesn't sound like it's going to play change the rules, but it will add more meat to the game, which mm-hmm. I like. I don't like it when they add expansions that completely changes the way the game is played and it's like, okay, but I liked that game. Yeah, and and we've talked about, you know, Splendor's a good example of of the a really straightforward example of that mechanism and we've talked about other games that that kind of borrow from it a little bit so now it's kind of coming full circle where it seems like splendor is starting to borrow from some of the games that that have borrowed from it and now it's it's getting a little bit fuller as a game goes so that's that's definitely a good sign number six we have i love the name of this game it is wasteland express delivery service this is a post-apocalyptic pickup and delivery game because now you're delivering like supplies to all these different people who and then you pick up your money and as you pick up junk it's some sort of like parts you pick up but then you can do that and then you can put rockets on your ice cream truck so you deliver things faster and it is a euro game so i want to put out a buyer beware out there because it is a euro game and it does not look like a euro game but i mean you could have changed the theme to spices in the in asia i mean it had been the same game so be be aware that this is a euro game with just a more updated theme then let's trade spices let's but it does look like a lot of fun pick up delivery it's got some fun mechanics it's got some dice rolling so a little bit of randomness it's got a modular board player powers which i'm a sucker for player powers uh so this one looks interesting i think i'll pick it up this one also is a euro game that tells itself of being a shorter euro game at like 90 minutes instead of most you know good heavy meteoros will sit there in about three hours so this one may actually be at least a little bit short a little bit more swallowable of a euro game after that we have whistle stop which i actually have not heard much about another pickup and delivery game which apparently is the hotness on bgg tile placement game 
looks fairly light. Um, it's going to be a 75 minute play time. So, so I mean, mm -hmm. it's just a, it's a pickup delivery system. Uh, Terraforming Mars expansion, Hellas and Elysium, which Terraforming Mars, I don't think any of us have gotten to play that yet, so. We look at it a lot, and I think we've said this on the podcast a couple times, that we look at Terraforming Mars, but it's, we have Euros that we haven't gotten to the table yet, and it's another yeah. Euro. Yes. And Euros mm -hmm. take time to play, and the, the benefit of a Euro is the replayability. I mean, are you going to sit down and play it multiple times to learn the strategies and get everything? And we just, we don't play them enough, and it makes it hard to pick up a Euro. Mm -hmm. I've got City of Iron sitting on the shelf, second edition, that's been sitting there for... Ever? <laughs> three months, not played, because we just don't get the right players together to play the Euro, to play a Euro. Well, I mean, players that want to do it and have time. Yeah. Because, I mean, that's a factor. But I think, obviously, if you are a fan of Terraforming Mars, this is probably a no-brainer for you. Speaking of expansions coming out at Gen Con, Sheriff from Nottingham, Merriman? Mm -hmm. Yep. Oh, is it later on your list? Sorry. Later on, I was just bringing up expansions yeah. coming out at Gen Con. But this will be exciting. I think I, I think um, there's a lot of Sheriff of Nottingham. I think there's always a game day. Somebody always brings it up, mm. at least a game day, and depending on... Wait. It's a good, it's a good yeah. fun. I mean, it, yeah, it, it's, game. it's a lot of fun, kind of uh, goofy bluffing game. I don't like it too much, but that's probably just because I lose all the time. And if you want to have fun, and the, the, all of the children are in bed, and you don't have to worry about small ears, do not do this at your public game day. There is the app, and you can actually set it to I think it's like adult content, and it will yell at you like the whole game inappropriate things. Which mm -hmm. kind of add funness to the game. A game I do not understand the hype around is Dinosaur Island. This thing. It was a big Kickstarter game, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was. A, it got a lot of love. It's a, it's a dice it economic style set collecting game, and it's. I mean, the artwork is like totally like '80s style. It's a worker placement. It's by the designers of Dead of Winter, and then the Wasteland Express delivery service game. I just don't understand. But there's a lot of love. There's a lot of love for this game. But it's supposed to be very Jurassic Park style. There's like a bunch of stuff to do with like DNA, and you're trying to like make better dinosaurs. And after that, we've got Ex Libris which is a set collection card drafting game about running a library, I believe. Once again, I don't know a whole lot about this one. I'm into it. <laughs> You're into it. Founders of Gloomhaven. Once again, haven't got to play Gloomhaven because it's a huge campaign game that we just haven't had time to sink our teeth into. This is getting a lot of love, so if you're a Gloomhaven person, this is a no-brainer. Century Spice Road. This is a card drafting deck pool building card game that's getting some love, and it is by Plan B Games. It is supposed to be a 30 to 45 minute short little card drafting game. Okay, so the one I'm really excited about. I don't know why it's going higher on the list. Photosynthesis. This game looks amazing! I'm so excited. This is a game by Blue Orange Games, and it is a game about planting trees, and then, like, depending on where the sun is on the board, your trees get light, and then, like, depending on how much light they have, they can, like, make life, and they, you know, things are good and happy because your tree is healthy. But, like, you can build trees in front of other people, and so then, depending on where the sun is, you're blocking their sun, but you gotta be careful because the sun can come back around. It looks super cool. It's all these cool trees, all little cut out trees. You put them on the board, like just on the table. It, 
I think it looks really I'm fun. skeptical because Blue Orange Games. Oh, come on. Come on. I haven't been real impressed with most of their games overall. I'm I'm excited. The other one after that is Grim Forest. I'm really excited about this one. This one's coming off of Kickstarter as well. It is a fairy tale of the Grim Fairy Tales. It's a um, movement programming game. Looks really good. Mountains of Madness. That Once game again, gets... Huge love. I'm I'm surprised this is farther down. This is a game by ILO. Yellow, ILO. It's, it's, it's being released by Yellow. It's HP Lovecraft, based on the novel by HP Lovecraft. That is Mountains of Madness. And it's a cooperative mm-hmm. hand management, some real-time play in there as well. Mm-hmm. That if done well, and I, I have hope in Yellow because Yellow does good work. It, it's something kind of getting away from their kid line that they've really been pushing lately. And into more of an, an actual adult-oriented games. And I really like that they kind of set it in the whole, I think it's set in like Antarctica or something. Yeah, 1931 Antarctica. And so, like, you have to worry about surviving the elements alone, and then let alone, like, the sanity, and trying to remain sane under those conditions, and obviously the cult things going on. Yeah, it it looks really good, and it kind of brings in that HP Lovecraft fan, and it brings in anybody because it's that cooperative play. So Mm -hmm. I think it it could be a really popular game. I think it'll be exciting. It's one I might pick up. Speaking of games in that that arena, I think think we've got a new love letter coming out. It's already out. You're talking about Cthulhu Love Letter? Yeah. Yeah, it's out. Okay. Village Geek had it. Yeah. On the shelf there. It's... It's love letter deluxe. It's the deluxe style love letter. It's a little a little oversaturation of the theme. Yeah, kinda. it's it's the th- the thing to do these days. From from a love letter standpoint, I think Cthulhu love letter is fun. I mean, I played it at Gamma. It was a lot of fun. I think it takes a different level to love letter, where it's not just mm. the basic guessing and checking game. It has a little bit more depth to it with Cthulhu. It gives you a little different gameplay style, mm. but it is still love letter. Uh, Raiders of the North Sea. It's the new worker placement that's getting a lot of love. Once again, the Vikings. This is a worker placement, but it's set on boats. So you're trying to impress your your Viking chieftain and getting getting those victory points by doing all the Viking things. Um, This game's getting a lot of love. One, because it's a new worker placement, and I feel like while that is a popular mechanic, I think we do have a lack in games that truly stick to worker placement. This one is for two to four players, 60 to 120 minute playtime, and it is by Renegade Game Studios. I think that one looks pretty good. Back to yellow, there's Bunny Kingdom coming out at Gen Con also. I'm into it. (laughs) Bunny Kingdom. It's actually a really highly rated game, or a really anticipated game. It's area control card drafting, done by Yellow, with the bunny theme pasted on, and it looks really good. I mean, it looks like it could be a fun Yellow game. It's age range. I mean, they're saying it's 12+, plus. so... It's interesting. I I, I feel like it's a a higher age range oriented game, not Yellow pointing to the the kids anymore. They're they're making some pushes to try to draw in a bigger crowd. It's still bunnies. Where does the bunny thing come in? Okay, so then after that, we have Sheriff of Nottingham, Merry Men. One of the things I think is interesting on this one, in a six-player game, you have two sheriffs. I think you, you have to get them through one sheriff or the other. You yeah, I think I think you have to. I think so. You you pick your you pick your sheriff and then the. I'm I'm not sure if it's going to be you have to pick your sheriff or the sheriffs will work together. Like, hey, Paul, do you believe what Jay is buying? Like, do you think he's 
Do you think he's really got it? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I feel like it'd be more of a you get to pick your sheriff that you want to go through and hope that they'll. And there's also laws, through. which are gonna be interesting. So the mm. sheriff will have law cards, um, and they will they'll choose to keep one for the entire round. Mm. But the sheriff will have to put out these laws that you have to abide by, which I think will be a fun twist. <laughs> big trouble in Little China, the game. Oh, that one's getting some love. I so mean, you can't pass up big chi- big trouble in Little you, China. You, you really can't. So <laughs> downforce. Excited about downforce. Downforce is a racing game and it is i believe the murder of formula d this is going to be a lot of fun uh two to six players and it's a bidding game so even if your car is not winning you can so kind of like a camel up like you're the camel you like might not be winning but you can bid on other camels mm-hmm. it's kind of that same idea so that's so even if your car is failing miserably you can bet on other cars and still possibly win the game it's a lot of fun and has a game time of 20 to 40 minutes, so I'm down. Flam Rouge is releasing at Gen Con also. They have a big release party scheduled for Flam Rouge. Bike racing game. Oh, yes. Made by uh, Stronghold Games. So one of the games today, Nicholas, I'm personally really excited about. I'm totally going to talk about. It's Laser Runners. This game looks so good. I'm going to I'm gonna put good. So Laser Runners comes in a, C, uh, a VHS box set case. From the 80s, and it even looks like it's all worn down and everything, and the artwork is total 80s. Like, it's Tron style, essentially. Mm. And it's, it looks like it has these four VHS tapes in there, but those are like the player. You take them out and you give them to your players, and those are all the individual players of the game. And it actually, so it looks like somebody was taking the movement things from X-Wing, the movement measuring. Styles. Yeah. And decided, or let's make a game. Templates. Yeah, the movement templates. And said, let's make a game just involving this. And basically, it's taking those movement uh, movement templates, and then kind of like in Tron, you're building like this line, and you're trying to break these crystals. And if you break these crystals, you I think it's like via three of them, you win. But if so, if you run into yourself, or if somebody runs into you, like somebody will crash, or sometimes you're trying to make them hit some of your lines because you don't get those templates back unless somebody hits them. So you're like intentionally trying to cut people off. It's going to be a really light racing game. It's not getting a lot of buzz, but I'm really excited about it. I think it'll be fun. I think it'll be really... So the two I've heard a lot about that weren't on there that have gotten a lot of buzz to me are Legendary Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, oh well, they're they're actually top... What is that, what is that company? Oh, Upper, Upper, Deck. Upper, Deck Upper Deck. Is actually sponsoring. So when we got our lanyards... It's actually got the Buffy the Legendary lanyards because Upper Deck is sponsoring. They sponsored it last year, which is why it was all Bring Out Your Dead. Mm-hmm. No, two years ago. Was that two, or two years ago? Yeah, Bring Out Your Dead yeah. two years ago. All right, see, so I, I could I could get into a Buffy Legendary. Man, it's like, gonna it's gonna be the same as every other Legendary. Yes. It will be I will it will be fun it. to play. It will be very enjoyable. It's just not gonna be worth the setup and tear down time. Yeah. And Same as every other. Find a better way one, to. Set what if it up, this one comes pre-set up with division markers and everything put up? I, you know, I can give them a pass on the initial setup where you just have a big pile of cards and you're supposed to puzzle out how it all it's the, goes together. Every time. But it's every time Trying it needs to, to it needs to get, then get sorted. And like when you're setting it up, you're you're pulling you know a dozen different decks and putting them together in different ways. It's just something about the mechanism of it. It does take forever. It just. I, I just feel like every time you play that game, to justify it, you need to play two or three times. But then, you know, we're not the kind of group that wants to play the same game over and over again. So even playing the same game twice in a row is a pretty rare occurrence. Yeah. So, um, but you know, I you know I love I love the IP. So I I I'd be happy giving them some money just to 
just to have the cards and flip through them and kind of see what it looks like. I think the theme is a good hit. I mean, it's mm-hmm. to me, it's better than the Alien Predator themes. They're they're trying to throw it on every theme or every yeah. IP just to try to yeah anything get the they money. can get their hands on. Um, but it's it's something different. I just feel for a deck building game, there's that are out there that play quicker, mm-hmm. or and that are Absolutely. just overall quicker setup and teardown times. Yeah. And better deck builders. Um, the other one is The Expanse, the board game, based off the TV show The yeah, Expanse. Which is getting a lot of a lot of really, really positive attention these days. It's a, it's a pretty popular show in, in an era where there aren't a lot of new big shows coming out. It's, it's a sci-fi TV show. The, the board game's supposed to focus on politics, conquest, and intrigue. Similar to the board game Twilight and, Struggle. And I'm out. <laughs> it's a shorter playtime. So <laughs> taking the, the the idea of Twilight Struggle and kind of what it does as a game, throwing it in with a sci-fi theme on it. I can see where it appealed to a lot of And a shorter yeah. playtime. I mean, the playtime, I think, is supposed to be closer to 90 minutes, as opposed to Twilight Struggle, which was, I believe is a three-hour. Three days. No, you're thinking of Twilight Imperium, <laughs> oh, which is three days. But you know, so it, it could it could bring a it bring a lighter weight to that that style of game, but has the benefit that it's a sci-fi theme, very space, and mm-hmm. have but some fun there. Another game I'm excited about um, by uh, Arcane Wonders is Viral. This is a um, it is an area control game, but the area is your body. And you are the viruses. I'm excited about that. I think it'll be fun. A little air control game where you're trying, yep. trying to not get taken over by the antibodies, and like it's it looks like it. But that, that is that is interesting because that does bring up the kind of a new new emerging theme in the biology arena. Like there's a lot of a lot of games that are going into you know like cellular interactions and, science. And, and things like that, and so so it, it seems like we're getting into round of games that's going to be. Pretty, pretty science focused and you know and that's that's definitely a great thing because i think i think that's that's how you bring in more educational games um, especially uh, the younger games are, are seeming to be mm-hmm. a lot more science themed which is good i mean it, it yeah. adds a layer of of teaching on to that game as well yeah you know if you can learn something about about how cells interact or about how oh, how, yeah. how viruses replicate and things like that from from a game like that i think that's i think is very valuable and i've, I've tried out other educational games in the past and you know they they often kind of don't work which is 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 odd because a lot of these things that that you're teaching work fine as a game you know if if you're talking about an organism replicating then you know there is very much an element of competition there so you you have easily in a game that can be built around that evolution great example yeah that's exactly what i was gonna say look at evolution i mean my 11 year old has eaten up that game for like what the last two three years like she loves that game and it does it teaches mm-hmm. like what you know how evolution works and you know because there are meat eaters mm-hmm. the 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 non the you know herbivores wind up getting hard shells or you know going in the ground and depending mm-hmm. on what's going on having yeah, to so it's a very adapt. very understandable kind of kind of progression you can yeah. you know you think getting near the end of the game you're looking at this this animal that you've created and you think well why why would any animal have all of these things and like why do i have some hard-shelled burrower yeah you know why why is this giant thing up in a tree and it's like oh well you know i can trace that back and see well all of these things that were going on at the time (laughs) the elephant with a hard shell that can climb trees yeah not sure how this works but it happened yeah so two games i'm really excited about and they're really low on the list so you know take them take take that for whatever but 
they're both in the Dead of Winter uh, universe, and one is Warring Colonies, which we kind of touched on. Um, how about all that? So I'm really excited to pick that up. And Dead of Winter, flick them up. This is a real thing, people. This is no longer like, ah, oh, somebody thought it was a joke on the internet. No, it's a real thing, and it actually looks really good. Um, I watched a playthrough of this, and um, it adds some really cool things with, like, the weapons. So, like, you can have a baseball bat, and the baseball bat you, you do differently than you would like the shotgun. So the shotgun has all these little bitty, like, tiny little wooden circles that you load into this, like, little cylinder, and when you flick them out, it does, like, a spray... And will hit multiple things. Where the baseball bat, you can actually flick it two different ways. You can, like, stand it up and flick it so it, like, actually gets some air to it. Or you can you can kind of, like, try to spin it so rotate and take things out. So really excited about that. And then it's got the zombie tower. The zombie tower is how they redistribute zombies, which was actually really, really smart. And as these zombies die, they have numbers on them, so, like, one through five. And they match the zombie tower. So you place them on the zombie tower... And then when you drop them, because they're placed differently, they spread out in a pattern that's really hard to predict. It's, you know, it's kind of okay. like, you look at a dice tower, if you had the stuff not in the middle, when you chuck stuff through, it's just going to fall at the bottom. Where this kind of adds it to to go to kind of spread out and not, not just be in one spot. So, really excited for those two games. They did not I, get a lot of love on BGG. I always um, think about picking up, flick them up, but the Western theme just yeah. doesn't appeal to me. The killing zombie theme oh, does, yes. and so Super I'll definitely exciting. want to flick them up dead of winter. I think we've got a lot of stuff at Gen Con happening. I wanted to touch base. Paul, you were looking forward to a Gen Con? Not really. Like I'm, I'm more, I'm more interested in <laughs> than the trash game. I'm, I'm more interested in the experience. You know, just trying to get in there and and kind of just. Like, I, I love an opportunity to be uncomfortably squished between people that I don't know. So that that sounds like a lot of fun, and it's and, I mean it's really exciting that this is going to be not only one of the you know one of the biggest cons that we're likely world. to see. We're in the world now, um, with, but with it being yeah, sold and out. it's and it's also sold out. So that's 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 a it's a really interesting con, you know combination because I've been to plenty of other plenty of other cons that that were you know that that had sold out, but. Um, they were they were nowhere near this scale, so so that should be that should be pretty exciting. It's gonna be Paul's first Gen Con. We're so excited for him. Oh, it's gonna be so awkward yeah. for you. No, I think it'll be I think, <laughs> I think it'll be a good time. Like I said, I I, I really want to see some of the stuff that that kind of didn't didn't make it on anyone's radar. I'd, I'd like to see something kind of different and unusual and unique, and nice. you know, and, and, and I, I have a history of trying to pick up games that are kind of odd and off the wall, and they don't turn out to be so good most of the time. He, but, he made me pick up deck building, the deck building game at the last Gen Con I went to. I just want to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just want that on the record that you made me buy deck building, the deck building game. You know, and I'm and I'm still up. I'm still upset that I never. Never got satisfaction on my rules clarification because there's a there's a clear error in the rules and now I can't play it because <laughs> the rules are wrong. Paul's gonna play walking the walking game. Yes, he is. So just for the last few minutes, I want to touch base on something that's going on here locally. McPherson, the Village Geeks store, the game store we all go to and frequent and love, is actually opening up a second 
location, so that's super exciting. So I just want to touch base on what you guys thought. If you're opening a game store today, and let's talk kind of limitless boundaries, let's talk, you know, what do you think are those staples or what would really make a game store stand out to you? What do you feel like if you walk into a game store, what are the, okay, this is an awesome store, or what do you feel like will just break the store? I think the number one thing is cleanliness. Oh. And that that's a that's a deal breaker on any store. How, how cluttered are the shelves? How hard is it to find a game? And how much time do I have to spend waste looking around through the games because they're not organized, they're not clean, it's just haphazardly. Yeah, mine's probably. I mean, one of my biggest is customer service. I have more than once walked out of a store because the service was not good. It's not because they didn't have stuff that I wanted. Not that I didn't want to buy the stuff they had. But if your service isn't good, I'm not spending money at your store. But outside of those staples, along with cleanliness, goes smell. There's a big thing oh, sure. with, with game stores. You have to eat. yeah. Let's be real. Don't the, the, the don't, old, don't buy your yeah. cardboard from someplace that smells funny. Yeah, so you have to you have to make sure you know. Do take the extra effort. Know that your clientele has will potentially have smell, and you have to keep the smell good. I mean, yeah, it, it's just something that goes along. Oh with yes, the store. Gen Con has. Speaking of smell, Gen Con has its own special smell. Anybody who's been every con has its own special <laughs> smell. Gen Con is. Gen Con is 70,000 people. It's a lot well, of special I mean, smell. San Diego Comic Con's 130, yeah, so... Know. Yeah, no, thanks. But it takes a little outdoors so, a lot, too, where Gen me, Con's all indoors. For me, outside of, like, your customer service, your cleanliness, mm-hmm. having plenty of space, I really don't care much for those, like, little hole-in-the-wall places where there's really not even places to play a game if you wanted to. I want to see something different. So I want to see, like, your displays displaying, like, the top ten board games on BGG this week. I want to see what the new game on tabletop was. I want to see something that adds the fresh stock add, and makes it something central. I want to see a display where it's like, I'm a big display visual person. So if I can walk into a store and it's like, these are the top 10 games to play with your family. I, I, I think just rotating stock regularly to me is more of a big deal. The, the, you know, I, I understand a game store can't keep every game in stock. Oh yeah. They're, it's just not feasible. Um, especially in a small town. Now you get into a bigger city, it's easier to have more stock. You look at game stores in Dallas. But even... They have every game in stock. (laughs) But that's, you know, they they get that draw for that. Mm -hmm. To me, it's more of having that constant rotation and having those first shelves that I walk into always being different. So I'm seeing something different most of the time I'm walking in. Those first things I see are always different. Now, what was there might be in the back now... But at least it's it's refreshing. You you see something different, and so I kind of get to see something else. And as a person that you know may not know games coming in, yeah. they get to see a different game every time, which is nice for them. I get to see something that oh hey I didn't realize they got this or they just got this in. Their new stocks right there at the front, easy to see. Yeah, I mean I I think I think the the important thing is just being able to walk into a store and get a sense that someone there is is in touch with the hobby that, yes. that they're not they're not just putting things on the shelves because they know that if, if they have settlers of Catan they can they can sell it it's that someone is 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 trying to make that store an active contributor to the hobby you know i want to see good good play space i want to see you know if they have a library of games i want to see games on there that are that are games that that I would be interested in playing, you know, mm-hmm. and things like things like that. It, it, it's, it's difficult because a store like that, you know, you kind of have to have people involved that they can really drive that people that are I- involved in the hobby and interested in, and add to it. And you can tell 
when you're in a store that does that versus a store that doesn't. You know, like every virtually every comic book shop now has some some board games on the shelf. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have been in the stores where it's like, oh yeah, we have board games. They're mm-hmm. in the back, and they're all Cthulhu themed, mm-hmm. <laughs> or they're all yeah. Monopoly. And yeah. GameStop, GameStop is uh, you know your yeah. your your, your yeah. classic game game reseller, video game reseller. Now they they started mm-hmm. putting more tabletop games on the shelves, but you know that's not a place I'm going to go. I'm these exci- the exception of Monopoly Gamer because they worked out that exclusive deal, but. <laughs> Uh, for any other game, I'm, I'm not really going to go there to find it because I know that I'm going to find I'm going to find the old staples that I can get you know kind of anywhere. I, I want to see that someone in there likes playing those games. But my my issue with GameStop and places like that selling a board game Target is, Target's carrying a good chunk of board games now. I would rather if I'm gonna if I'm gonna buy it from GameStop or somewhere, I'm gonna buy it online. And get it at a cheaper price. So I what, go to a I go yeah. to a local game store. A for the customer service, and if I want something quick, and I know that they'll have it. I don't know GameStop will have it. They're they're going to carry some board mm-hmm. games, but they're geared towards the gamer. Well, it, and it seems like they do. The they do frequently have a kind of a varied stock from from one mm-hmm. store to the next. And so I'm not going to go there to buy a board game. I'm going to order it online if that's what I'm mm-hmm. wanting. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go to a game store if I want it immediately, or if I'm wanting to support the game store because. I, I enjoy supporting a local business. Sure. They've got to make a living, and they're not going to buy everything online if I can support them. It might cost me a little bit more, but it's worth it. They give me a place to go and play those games, and a community that they've built around these games, or different types of games. Mm-hmm. And that's worth it to me. Yeah, no, no the same thing with Target. If, if GameStop can get someone that you know went in looking for looking for a video game and decided to pick up you know, Settlers of Catan or, or Ticket to Ride. Uh, you know, I'm happy to see that. They're, they're bringing more people into the hobby. And those people, if, if it really clicks for them, if it really works, then, you know, you might see them being drawn into some of the more interesting games, some of the, some of the more, more complex or newer games. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that, that's a, there's a lot of positives there, especially as, as video games move, move more and more away from local multiplayer you know you, you need oh, yeah. those you need those options you need those solutions and tabletop games fill that fill that spot very well that that video games had taken over for several years well now you can't play together in the same place unless everyone has their system but you just need one copy of that board game and now you have four or more players i always struggle with that i hate when somebody comes in and this is my personal rant and i understand money you know Money is tight for everybody. We've all had that moment. But it's really hard for me when somebody, like, will go buy $60 for a video game. But if you ask for $60 for an amazing board game, they're like, oh, that's too much. It's like, do you understand? Like, I always, for me, financially, I take a board game and I I equate it to doing something fun, some other fun activity. So can I go to the movies with four people six times and still come out, you know, more expensive than this board game? Or am I ultimately getting a better deal and more hours of enjoyment with my friends than I would, like, if we all went out to the movie? Like, I don't understand the justification with, like, board games and video games because people will look at the video game and go, oh, yeah, it's a new hot video game. And don't question really spending 60 bucks on a brand new video game. But trying to sell a video game for 60 or a board game for $60, people are like, well, I don't know. To be fair, if you get if you get a good video game, first of all, that's something that you're going to be able to do by yourself. You know, if it's a good game, 
you may log a hundred plus hours there. Uh, you know, it's 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 very difficult for most board games to to kind of reach that level. Like take a, a game like Pandemic Pandemic Legacy. You know, w- w- it was 17, 17 games that we played to, to yeah, get through. Seventeen or eighteen. Yeah. So I mean, so we're, I mean, you know, we're 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 yeah. yeah, less than a hundred hours in that. You know, the other side of that, of course, is that. A lot of the video games that are coming out aren't good enough to justify that an individual spend that much time unless it just happens to be that. It's also for me. It's that that one's worth it. Like that one's easy argument. For me, it's the the argument though is it's it's times four. You know, one person can play a sixty dollar game for a hundred hours. We played eighteen games times four because we all got to enjoy the experience. And so I feel like Mm -hmm. it's it's six in one hand, half a dozen the other. And so, and and what's your situation too? You know, it's 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 always uh, if you are you know if you've got a family at home, if you're looking for something to do after dinner rather than just stare at stare at uh, TV playing video games or everyone's off doing their own thing. A, a board game's a great way to bring those people together. You know, if you're someone that you you meet once a week to play play some tabletop games, it's a harder sell there because then you get to use this once a week and you know, in even then, and even then does it make it to not. the table? Yeah, right. you even then. To you me, might the bigger not. issue is it's a psychology thing. Mm-hmm. Video games have always been expensive. Mm-hmm. We've always known video games well, are sure. expensive from way back in you know mm-hmm. even SNES days. Uh, oh yeah, oh, yeah. You those, know, video games those new were games were 30, 40 50, bucks. 50 a, bucks. A, yeah, and now yeah. then they've gone up. You know, 50, 60 bucks now. Or you know, you get collector's editions for more um, if you want. But even just the base game, sixty dollars. Mm-hmm. Board games that people are used to. Twenty you know, bucks. To Walmart, <laughs> and I buy Monopoly for twenty bucks. Black Friday sale, but now $5. it's sixty dollars. You know, yeah. and so it's a big difference. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I to, to bring that mindset of it's it's a board game. It's just cardboard yeah. and pieces. But it's the time that goes into developing that game that you're paying for. And I've had and people get experience. upset about that because they do. They'll come in thinking. You know, oh, I played Catan with mm-hmm. my friends, and we'd really like to get Catan for our family. And they come in thinking, like, yeah, what, 20 bucks? Monopoly's like 20 bucks. And then they see Catan, which I think has a... It's 30 or 40. I was going to say it's like either 30 or 40. They go, wow. Which is still a cheap game. Which yeah. is still, yeah. It's, it's not an expensive That's a low end, low yeah. end price for a game. And make. But that will throw people off, because they do. They come in thinking, I'm going to pick up this game. Um, I've had that happen with a lot of things. And so, you know, you'll show some of the smaller mm-hmm. games. And smaller games run 10, 25 bucks. Mm-hmm. And they're going, whoa, you know, this is, this is, you know, this is a lot. So, well, and if, if you have to get in the right mindset there, because there are, there are video games that brand new only cost $20. I mean, they're typically not very good. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know the new Wii Sports variant for the Switch, however much, I I think that one was a $30 game, something like that. Uh, So, so there are definitely games out there that, like video games that, that fall into those same categories. So just understanding that, your your monopoly, like that's that's your your entry level basic, mm-hmm. not good board game, and so that's why it's twenty dollars. Games that have been around for ages. There's yeah. a reason why they're cheap. I mean, even Catan. There's a reason why it's cheap. It's because mm-hmm. they produce a lot of it because yeah. it sells. When it's all it's, profit now, like they yeah, it's sold made, Targets made money and Walmarts and everywhere else. So I mean, they can mass produce it now. Mm-hmm. 
So it drives the price down versus most board games aren't produced at that same quantity, which hurts the price. Yeah. When when you aren't when you aren't selling as many, you're you're producing it in smaller quantities, which means you're getting less cuts on those costs. Well, I think with that, that's our wrap. And the next time you'll be hearing from us is at Gen Con. So make sure you're liked us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Um, we are going to attempt. We're going to see what cell phone signal and everything looks like out there. So who knows? Mm-hmm. The attempt is going to be to do. Some lives, so you will see our lovely faces and uh, see see what see what it looks like there at Gen Con, and then also we're going to do nightly recaps, like I said, providing that we can get the internets and the interwebs to work. Mm. Um, well, we'll we'll, uh, we'll we'll definitely have something coming out if if things go things go south as far as the, the technology, then. You know, we'll keep, keep an eye on us on Facebook and Twitter, and we'll keep you updated on what we've got going on and what we've got what we've got planned. Uh, so, should be pretty exciting. It, it, we we expect to be pretty pretty busy the whole time. So, yeah. and if you'd like to meet up with us, uh, shoot us a shoot us a message on Facebook or Twitter, and let us know. And we could probably do like a lunch or something with you. So. Just play a game. We're always pretty much down to play games, yep. unless they're the really bad ones. So I'll play a bad game. Okay, Paul, play a bad game. We'll so. leave you with Paul, and we'll play something <laughs> We'll bring back pizza. I'll be, so. I'll be, I'll be by the trash game booth. <laughs> I'll, I'll have it set up waiting for there, you. There, there is a trash game booth. That's a thing. Yeah, I'll be there. Okay, sweet. So, anyway, until next time we see you guys, have a great time. Hope to see you guys at Gen Con. Thank you for joining us this month as we explore the world of board games. Please look us up on Facebook or Twitter at Breaking the Dice and give us your thoughts and feedback.